0: In Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter three. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Why don't we go over our outline of um, the four major sections of the Old Testament. We have the four major sections of the Old Testament and you know this is where you read along. The four major sections of the Old Testament are what? The law. History, Come on. History, exactly. And the law books are Genesis. Come on, say it with me. Genesis, Exodus. Exodus Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the history books are? Genesis. Joshua. And the poetry books are? Job, Robert, Psalms, Psalms, Psalms. And the prophetic books of the Old Testament are? Isaiah, You ought to hear that from where I stand. That's like little robots. (laughs) It's great. And Nehemiah is in what section of the Old Testament? Historical, exactly. If you've been with us on the Wednesday evenings, you know that in chapter one, Nehemiah gets the news that the people of God are in great distress and reproach. Because the walls of Jerusalem are broken down, the gates are burned. In chapter one, were you with me? Chapter one. And I told you that the walls, if you were not with me, you write this down. It's very important that the walls in the ancient world were very important as walls represented separation, salvation, and protection. An unwalled city was open and vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Nehemiah hears that the walls of the city are torn down and after waiting four months, he asked the king, his boss, could he go to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls? Keep in mind that Nehemiah is a cupbearer, not a carpenter. He's not qualified to build anything, but God was calling him. We know uh, when God calls, God enables. Can you say amen? amen? And so he asked the king and the king gives him permission and provision so Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem, scopes out the land. We're in chapter two, and he assesses the need. He meets up with some enemies, Sambalot the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite, and later on in chapter two, they meet up with this new friend, Geshem the Arab, and uh, these guys represent the enemy. They represent the devil. When Nehemiah runs into these Men, they laugh, they mock, they despise. Later on in chapter two, and Nehemiah said, you laugh, but God will prosper us. God is with us and he isn't with you. You will fail, we will prosper. In the face of the enemy, laughing and mocking and distracting, Nehemiah didn't get sidetracked and pull away from the things of God. He kept doing the things of God. You know, I noticed over the years, it seems, and you probably noticed this as well, when people go through a trial, or they go through circumstances or Beelzebub begins to bug you, the first thing people do is they stop doing the work of God or they stop going to church. Have you noticed that? If you stop doing the work of God every time Beelzebub bugs you, you're never going to do the work of God. If I stop doing the work of God every time Beelzebub bugs me, I would never be in a pulpit. I would never do the work of God because the attacks of the enemy never cease. If you stop doing what God has called you to do, the enemy has won. Sambalat and Tobiah come against Nehemiah, but he didn't stop serving. He kept focused on the will of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God. And you'll see that over and over in Nehemiah's character throughout this book. So the last time we concluded, now get with me right here. The last time we concluded in chapter two, uh, we move into chapter three tonight. And at first glance, I don't know, have you read ahead in chapter three? If you have, you probably got some good sleep. (laughs) As chapter three looks pretty dry, Uh, one commentator remarked and said that chapter three is a colorless, memorandum of assignments because it reads a long list of names that are difficult to pronounce and information that seems redundant, a chronology that seems meaningless. He said, it's hard to muddle through. Well, I agree with some of that, but not all of that. It is hard to muddle through. There is a long list of names that are difficult to pronounce, although I wouldn't say it is meaningless. As a matter of fact, on the contrary, I would say it's very meaningful and very useful. Uh, Let me tell you a few meaningful things about chapter three. There are 12 gates mentioned in the book of Nehemiah, and in chapter three, 10 of those 12 gates are mentioned. Uh, There's a spiritual meaning behind each gate. A spiritual meaning in each gate. There's also a picture of our spiritual progression in each gate. In other words, as you look at each gain and its position around the walls, you can see the story told of the believer's walk. First, you become a Christian by believing in the lamb that was slain and accepting Jesus in your heart and you receive salvation. Are you listening? And then you want to share your new faith with friends. And then there are some challenges, some victories and some defeats and valleys and mountains and high points and low points, but you continue to walk with Jesus and run the race. And someday you stand before Jesus face to face, having finished the race. So our whole Christian experience begins with Jesus and ends with Jesus. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought for tonight until the end of the night, as a matter of fact. Our whole Christian experience begins with Jesus and ends with Jesus. And we're not going to read every word in chapter three, but we are going to look at the various gates and their meanings and their spiritual implications uh, as it relates to us. Between the gates, listen, you might wanna write this down. I'm just gonna tell you a bit about the chapter and then we'll look at the gates, okay? Um, Between the gates, you'll find words like next to, next to him, next to them, after him, after then. You'll find these words 28 times in this chapter. The message here is everyone needs to be involved in ministry and take their place on the wall and help build next to them. You'll also see that there are 38 names listed, all difficult to pronounce. There are eight different vocations listed, and many are working close to home. The message here is work starts at home. I like that. Work starts at home. I think I was reading something recently that was talking about, you know, we need to get prayer back in school. Or maybe I was reading something about the person who's kind of heading that movement of getting prayer uh, back in school. I think that's a good thing to get prayer back in school. But I think, I think it's a better thing to get prayer back in home. I thought I'd get a better amen there. I think it's a better thing to get prayer back at home. I think we're so busy trying to get prayer back in school, but the kids don't pray at home. Well, if they don't pray at home, what's the point in getting prayer back at school? Now, listen, conversely or, 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 or likewise, if they pray in, in the home, then you won't be able to stop them from praying in school. Think about that. I mean, if they're in class and they want to pray before a test, They just, in their heart, they just pray. And now you have prayer in school. Or kids want to get together and they want to pray. They want to pray. They want to pray. They can pray. You get prayer back in school. But don't try to get prayer back in school without having prayer in the home. Well, let's get to it. Here in Nehemiah chapter 3, I've titled this sermon, The Message of the Gates. I think that's a perfect title for this sermon. (laughs) The message of the gates. Nehemiah chapter three. Let's just read some verses, just to say we read some verses. And then we'll just pop around to some other verses. How's that? Alright, so Nehemiah chapter three. We we pick up in verse one, saints. If you're looking at verse one, uh, say I'm looking, at it, I'm looking at it, Pastor. Then Eliasib. Eliasib. Eliashib. These names are hard to pronounce. I'm just doing my best. Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. And they consecrated it, and they hung its doors. And they built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the Tower of Hananel. Then next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built and next to them, Sekur, the son of Imri, built. Also the sons of Hasana built the fish gate. They laid its beams and they hung its doors and they, and they, with its bolts and its bars. And next to them, Miramoth, the son of Yorja, the son of Kaz, made repairs. And next to them... Meshulam, the son of Berchaya, the son of that guy, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of banana, made repairs. <laughs> oh that, I'm sorry, that that's, that looks like more like Bana. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Moreover, Je- Jehoiah, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. That's enough torture. That's, that's enough Stop right there, give me your attention. Notice verse one tells us, once you look back at verse one, it tells us that the high priest Eliashib and his brothers built the sheep gate. Eliashib, you might want to write this in your margins. It means, his name means God restores. God restores. Notice the sheep gate is by the tower of Hanel. Hanel means grace. The tower of Hanel means grace. So the first gate we hear of is the sheep gate, and the first tower we hear of is grace. And the tower of grace doesn't have any locks or any bars. Did you get that? Interesting, Eliashim, now listen, I want you to note this. He's the high priest, and he's out doing the work and leading by example. Even the high priest got his hands dirty to do the work of God. He's not acting like he's too spiritual to do the work. You know, if you're a leader, then you ought to be leading by example. And people follow your lead as, you, as they follow your example. And if you're lazy and you're slow, people serving with you will be lazy and slow. The priests are working and even the high priest is out there sharing. Even the high priest. You know, in lots of churches, people put the pastor and the leaders up on pedestals in places they don't belong. And don't get me wrong. The Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. And don't put men in a place where they don't belong. But leaders are to lead by example and serve the people and not be served by the people. And the pastor, listen, is no better than anybody else. And I think in our churches... You know, we 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 we've kind of put the pastor up there. Like like he's better than don't amen too much. But I'm just going to speak the truth, but I don't really need your help right now. I'm already feeling this big, okay? We put the pastors in places where they don't belong in in many churches. All right, go ahead and say amen. Y'all know y'all want to do it anyway. Y'all like oh, amen, amen. You're going to say it anyway. And we put them in places where they don't belong. And, and at the same time, again, the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. The pastor is no better than anybody else. The pastorate, listen, is an office in the church that God calls a man to. I am just like everybody else, just like every other man, just God called me to this position, to this office of the pastor. And yes, you should respect that office. But true leaders are servants. They serve the people. And at the same time, you know, I think the church and look, they've gone to the other end of the pendulum in a lot of churches. And especially a lot of churches that I seem to speak in, I tend to notice this. That people go to the other end of the pendulum. So the pastor is, is, is not like you know everybody else. I mean, the pastor, you know, he's well, he's like everybody else. He's just a man. But 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 you know they they somehow they go to the other end of the pendulum and they start treating him like he's kind of one of them. Then there's a difference. Listen, I, I do think we need to give honor to whom honors due. I do think we need to understand that the pastor is just a man, just like everybody else. But we also need to understand that the pastor is not like one of them. He's not just like the sheep. He's a shepherd. And the shepherd can't be one of the sheep, otherwise he can't be the shepherd. He can't be the shepherd and the sheep at the same time. And the shepherd should be leading the sheep. Not hanging out with the sheep and moving along with the sheep, because if the shepherd follows the sheep, everybody's gonna fall off a cliff. Because y'all don't know what you're doing. Now you can yell amen right there. Amen. Amen, amen. Y'all don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going, so you need a shepherd to lead you so a shepherd can't become one of the sheep either. And sometimes I see in a lot of churches where the shepherd becomes like one of the sheep, and so people are walking around calling the shepherd by his first name. Now listen, y'all know, I've already, we've gone over this already. All right, this is my own personal rule. If you're not at least 18, you may not call me Rodney. Um, you know, if if you're grown, you may call me Rodney. That's fine. That's no problem. I don't have a problem with that. I don't you know, just don't call me Reverend. I don't like that. That's just kinda kinda people send me mail like Reverend, Rodney Finch. I'm like, oh, they don't know me. They <laughs> They don't, they obviously, this is not, this is junk mail. They definitely don't know me. But, but, but you know, because, you know, and, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not one of your homies either. I remember I went to a church re- recently, actually, and, uh, wow, I'm giving that away. I haven't been two places. <laughs> I've only been two places and, uh, recently, and, uh, and they, they was calling the pastor, hey, what's up, homie, pal? I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not your homie either. Don't call me homie. Don't misunderstand me. I, I, I don't think I'm anything. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm bigger than you. I don't think I'm better than you. I don't think that God's got some special calling on my life that he doesn't on you. But somehow I do believe in authority. I do believe in respect. I do believe that there's got to be some kind of order. I don't think. I, I think there's got to be some kind of order. And you got to start that ideology when kids are kids. Let me tell you something. My kids, I brought my kids up. No, you do not call that adult by their first name. I'm from the old school, y'all. Where you at? Where my people at? You don't call them by their first name. Nowadays, kids are like, hey, how you doing, Rodney? Hey, what's up, Elvira? Excuse me? Ha <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. (laughs) Then, for those of you who didn't hear, they said, where's the shoe? So if you were here on Sunday, then you know about the shoe. And uh, the shoe's coming. (laughs) No. There's got to be some lines of respect there. And I think when you start at that age to establish in kids' mind that, you know, you're not on that same level, you don't call them by their first name, it helps them to understand authority. It helps them to understand that they're not on an adult level. And it helps them to stay in the place of a child because a child needs to go through the stages of growth just like everybody else in order for them to become healthy. And if it was good enough for you, how come it's not good enough for them? And I think the part of the problem is, I think, is that we're, we're, we're becoming too uh, friendly with our children, and we're trying to be our child's friend. Listen, don't try to be your child's friend. Listen, you're going to be happy you came at night. Get this. Do not. Even if you don't have children, then just write this down and use it when you do have kids. Don't try to become your child's friend. Don't ever try to become their friend. Always seek to become their parent. And if you find yourself in a place where you are their parent, that they understand that's mom and that's dad. I've seen some kids calling their mom and dad. And if you're here tonight, listen, I'm not condemning you or nothing like that. I just, Me personally, I just don't agree with that. Where kids are calling their parents by their first names. I'm sorry, I just don't agree with that. That's all. Don't come up to me after service trying to tell me all this. I, I, I got you, okay? I just don't, I don't agree with that because mom is mom and dad is dad and we're not friends. Don't get me. We're not friends. Listen, I have he- asked my kids. <laughs> Ask them. I have to- I'm not your friend. I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm trying to be your father. Because if I can be your father, guess what will happen? We'll wind up friends. But if we start out being friends, we're going to have a respect issue there. And then I'm going to have to take off the shoe. (laughs) You see? So, so we 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 got to keep those lines of, of of respect, and we 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 got to keep those uh that 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 position of uh of of order. God is a god of order. Now, now I want you to notice. I got a map up for you, as you've already noticed. I want you to notice the sheep gate. Now, I realize that that map may be a little bit difficult for you to understand. And if I was a little more prepared, I'd have a pointer, but I don't. So. Um, you're going to have to see this, but the first gate mentioned, remember, Nehemiah has gone to Jerusalem to build the walls and the gates because they are torn down and they have been burned down. If you got that, say amen. amen. So now here is a map of Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day. When he gets there, um, he, he's there to, of course, work on the walls and work on the gates. The first gate that's mentioned in the Bible is what gate saints? The Sheep Gate, and I want you to see the Sheep Gate, because I want you to see some order here, and that's why I want this map to stay here for the rest of the evening. Um, I want you to notice the Sheep Gate is right about 12 o'clock or maybe like one minute after 12. Can y'all see? If you can see it, say amen. Okay, the Sheep Gate is about one minute after 12, so that's the first gate that's mentioned. The first step, listen, in our spiritual progress is the Sheep Gate. Many times when the shepherds, get this, when the shepherds were out herding their sheep, they didn't have corrals and, 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 and they would stop and, and, and seek to find a place to rest and, and find a place to sleep. And so they look for enclosed areas. They look for a cave or a canyon or someplace narrow. Uh, when the shepherd or when the sheep settled in, the shepherd would then lay across the opening of that area. So the only way for somebody to get to the sheep is to cross over the shepherd or to go through the shepherd. Are you getting me? No sheep could get out and no, she- or no stranger could get in. Now the Bible teaches, listen, nobody can get into the sheepfold of God without going through who? Jesus, the shepherd. John chapter 10. I do have that verse I want to show you. Uh, John chapter 10. Uh, in verse seven through 10 tells us, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep and all whoever came before me are thieves and what saints, robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus himself says that he's the door He's like that shepherd laying across that entrance to keep strangers out and to keep the sheep in. Notice also the sheep gate was called the sheep gate because the people brought the sheep through this gate that were going to be sacrificed.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.